Today I would like to talk about three essentials of Zen. Great faith, great doubt, and great determination. Next week at Zen Community of Oregon, we start Ongo, a period of more intensive Zen practice that we choose to take up that practice. So I thought it might be good to talk about these essentials. So what is Ango? Ango is A-N, spelled A-N-G-O, Ango. And it's a Japanese word meaning peaceful dwelling. And the practice of Ango goes back to the time of the Buddha over 2,500 years ago when wandering followers, his monks and nuns, would come together during the rainy season in India. So it's fitting that we should do that now on the cusp of the rainy season here in Oregon. So here at Great Vow, Ango is devoting, what that means is devoting much more of our time to Zazen, seated meditation. So five or six hours a day in addition to work and meals and study. So that means getting up much earlier and uh, beginning meditation at 4.30 in the morning, for instance. Um, and we have three Zen intensives that we call Sashin, where we uh, spend even more time in the practice of Zazen. So there's lots of ways to practice Ango. If you're not in the monastery, you might you might decide to take up the practice and see are there ways that you can reacquaint yourself with your practice or maybe uh, take, take up something new. So the three essentials of Zen, what 20th century uh, Zen teacher uh, Yamada Koun called three essential conditions of Zen, uh, Chan Master Shang Yen calls them the essential prerequisites of Zen practice. So it seems to me as we take up Zen practice, it's worth considering these. So again, these are great faith, great doubt, and great determination. So in Zen, we are not simply interested in learning to meditate well. Zen is not about mastering a particular technique, not about mastering a meditative technique in order to achieve certain states, bliss, making our mind blank. Although states arise, including bliss, um, and they disappear. So we're not trying to achieve simply uh, expertise at a meditative technique. Zen is not about improving ourselves, figuring out what parts are broken that we think are broken so that we can uh, cut them out. It's not as, as my teacher Hogan said early on in my Zen practice that Zen is not a self-improvement project. Although when we come to Zen practice, we often come because we're in pain 
or we're suffering or we're stressed out. And it's not that that's wrong to come to practice because of that, but it's simply saying that Zen isn't just that. Zen isn't just about it. Zen is about awakening. Zen is about seeing, manifesting, realizing our true nature, who we really are. Realizing our bright, luminous, boundless heart mind, our awakened nature. And so in order to in order to have that real revealed to us, to see it for ourselves, these essential prerequisites uh, help us, are essential. So again, Yamada Kohn says, these are like the three legs of a tripod. If uh, it is uncertain whether we can accomplish the Dharma if one of these legs is missing. Three legs of a tripod, uncertain whether we can accomplish the Dharma if one of these three legs are, is missing. Great faith, great doubt, great determination. So great faith, what is great faith? What do we mean by that in Zen? It would make sense that being a religion that we would speak about faith. But in Zen, faith is not belief. We don't have, I grew up in the Catholic Church and we would recite at Mass, we would recite the creed, what we believe. But the faith that we're talking about is not belief. It's not simply belief. If I believe these things, I need to figure out what to believe, what to have faith in, and then I will be safe. Then I will get what I want. It's not belief. So another way to call great faith is great trust. Great faith, great trust is based on our direct experience. And we have to take a leap. So there was some intuition that said that Zen was for me when I kind of wandered in. And so when I first came to practice, I would meditate. So how is this our direct experience, especially if we're new? We don't have much experience. (laughs) So how can we build on that? So when I first came to practice, I would meditate once a week. I would go uh, to what was then called the Portland Program, as now Heart of Wisdom Zen Temple, and I would meditate Uh, We would do just what we did just now. We would meditate and then do walking meditation, then meditate some more. I would meet with Hogan Roshi once a week and talk about my practice in Sanzen. And that was it. I did not have a home practice. There were no apps to listen to. Uh, There's no YouTube. (laughs) Um, That was it. But all throughout the week, I could, I would remember the zazen. I would remember the, I could, I could hearken back to it when I was in a, in, when I would have just the stress of work or family, 
there was this thread that, that ran through my week. And I could always kind of tap into, touch into that. I noticed that as I went, you know, week after week, without expectation, I didn't know that I would even continue. I noticed that I was less reactive. I noticed that I was more present. I could be more present. So my, in this way, my experience verified some of the teachings. So this is the kind of experience when we hear the teachings and then we verify them for ourselves. That starts to build, that starts to build trust. So sometimes this takes time, a lot of time, especially if we've had our trust broken. Um, some of us, it just takes some time to build this trust, this faith. So this is also, tr so this is a trust in the teachings of the Buddha and great sages, that what they say throughout history is true, that points to the truth. This is faith or trust in our essential goodness, in the essential goodness of others, in the essential awakened nature of others, that others are simply on the path to and doing their best to wake up. And that's ourselves too, truth and faith in our own essential goodness. And one of the things that happens that builds over time as we become less reactive and lash out at people, we notice that as our mind is calm, as our mind settles down, as we have more presence, that what manifests is actually goodness. We want to help other people. We can be present for other people. So how do we get this? We really need to see clearly see into our own experience and verify it for ourselves. And there are some that arrive to faith because um, of their of a kind of wordless intuition. We have a sense when we read the teachings, like this is true. I don't even, I haven't tried it yet, but I know this is true. There's something inside that knows that this points to the truth. So we take a leap, we trust our intuition, and we verify it for ourselves. So we, one, how can we practice faith? Other ways that we can practice faith. Um, so tr trust in the teachings of the Buddhas and great sages. And also, <laughs> for those of you who work with a teacher, work, trust, trust in your teacher. Listening to the teacher. If you get advice in Sansa and actually follow it, <laughs> actually do it, try it. They might be onto something.
So the second is great doubt. Uh, also called Sung San, the Korean, 20th century Korean teacher, Sung San called it great question. Great doubt, great question. So great doubt is not skepticism. In fact, skepticism is actually a hindrance. It's called one of the hindrances that the Buddha talked about, the hindrances to meditative absorption. The uh, hindrance on the path is skepticism. Skepticism, cynicism, pessimism, are all functions of skeptical doubt. That's a way that we label that kind of energy. And of course, you know, these have their place, but they're hindrances on the, on, the, on the path. So this kind of skeptical doubt, um, Jeff Shore, who is a Zen, uh, Rinzai Zen teacher, called, says, skeptical doubt, that is nothing like the doubt spoken of in Zen Buddhism. There's a good reason it is called great doubt. And then he goes on to talk about uh, an ancient Chinese master named Boshan who writes about doubt has an excellent book uh, Jeff Shore wrote about translating Boshan about doubt and sort of the different ways that doubt operates. So he goes on to say, in an introductory section, Boshan briefly describes the barrier, also called the great matter of life and death, the doubt, and translated literally is doubt sensation. The two characters are doubt and sensation. The doubt sensation that arises from the question of life and death. And how this fundamental religious question differs from ordinary doubt and skepticism so that it congeals into the great doubt. So Boshan says, quoting Boshan, in Zen practice, the essential point is to arouse doubt. What is this doubt? For example, when you are born, where do you come from? You cannot help but remain in doubt about this. And this is not the biological function of where do you come from? Where, where are babies made? <laughs> they knew that then. Uh, where do you come from? Where do you come from? Where do you come from? You. When you die, where do you go? No one knows. No one knows where you go when you die. Or do you know? I mean, that's really what matters. Maybe somebody does know, but do you know where you go when you die? Again, Boshan says, again, you cannot help but remain in doubt. Since you cannot pierce this barrier of life and death, suddenly the doubt will coalesce right before your eyes. Try to put it down and you cannot. Try to push it away and you cannot. Eventually this doubt block will be broken through and you realize what a worthless notion is life and death. Ha! As the old worthy said, great doubt, great awakening. Small doubt, small awakening. No doubt, no awakening. So we might rephrase this, great question, great awakening. Small question, small awakening. No question, 
no awakening. So thinking about this essential prerequisite is the great question or as the great question. At first, we may not even know we have a question. What is my great question? What is the great question? It may simply be that we come to practice because we're stressed out, sad, someone close to us died. It may be divine dissatisfaction. Is this all that there is? So unlike ordinary doubt, which can cause wavering and loss of focus, great doubt solidifies and causes focus, gathers focus. There's a a Jeff Shore quoting Zen Layman Swan. So Layman Swan was from the 1200s in China. And he said about this, nowadays, those who devote themselves to Zen practice are few. Once a koan question is taken up, most people find their minds trapped by the twin demons of torpor and scattering. So torpor is listlessness and scattering is a scattered mind. Once a question is taken up, most people find their minds trapped by the twin demons of torpor and scattering. They don't realize that doubt vanquishes falling into torpor and mental scattering. If trust is firm, doubt will be firm. So if faith is firm, doubt will be firm. Once doubt is firm, torpor and scattering will naturally vanish. So in Zen, we appreciate questions. We honor questions especially the deeper questions. What is this life really about? What is death? What is my death? Why do people, the Buddha's question was, why do people suffer? And is there a way beyond it? Is there a way to end suffering? Dogen Zenji, the Japanese founder of our school of Zen had a question. If the teachings say that we're whole and complete, lacking nothing, why do we have to practice? Why do we have to do this if that's true? And that sent him on a years-long spiritual quest. So we honor the questions in Zen. Great question is important. How do I know God? Who am I? What is, what is this? So this is different than the quality of skepticism. This is a quality of openness, of curiosity, of wonder, great wonder, great doubt, great wonder. Again, quoting Swan, as the great, as the old worthy said, Great wonder, great awakening. Small wonder, small awakening. No wonder, no awakening. So getting in touch with what is your question? What brings you? What brings you to practice? And attending to that, this is important in Zen. We treat this as important. This is the 
really the fuel that keeps us going. So the third aspect is great determination, or as uh, Sung San calls it, great courage. So this is the determination to keep going no matter what, no matter what, no matter what the inner critic says, no matter what comes up for us in our life, we keep going. So when we first come to meditation, we aren't very good at it. We aren't very good at it. Our evaluative mind thinks that we aren't very good at it, but it's not, it's of no help actually. We notice our mind is scattered. We notice how it judges others and ourselves. And as an adult, when you come to practice, we actually aren't used to being bad at stuff or being unskilled. Like once you get to a certain point, unless we challenge ourselves in different ways, it's hard, it's, it's, it's hard to be, <laughs> be a beginner. Um, so um, oftentimes a lot of people give up when they face uh, the scattered mind, the judging mind. We find it difficult to concentrate, especially at the end of the day. We have a busy day. We have all this stuff coming out, all these notifications on our phone and people are texting us and ads all the time and people dem making demands of us. And then we sit down to meditate at the end of the day and we wondered why, why our mind is scattered and are like, well, I'm not good at meditating. It's like, well, of course our mind is scattered. <laughs> that makes total sense. But a lot of people give up. A lot of people give up. As one Zen teacher said, the level ground is littered with corpses. So it's like, that's not even the hard part. <laughs> and we give up. So that you can see why persistence without a great question, we give up. Because it's just, well, I'm just, I'm trying to feel better. And if I, if I start to meditate and I notice the scattered mind, the judging mind, the stressed out mind, this doesn't feel better. <laughs> so I move on to something else. Try yoga, try ayahuasca, try microdosing, try videos, try all kinds of things. Yeah. So that's, this is why the great determination without the question and without the faith is, um, is, won't last because there's no reason for it. It just becomes a pro that's Zen as a project. So one way to think about this is persistence, great persistence. Be persistent with your method of meditation. So no matter what happens, no matter how it is, keep going, keep doing it. This is one of the trick, tricky things is once we know a few different meditation techniques, it's very easy to, what we used to call channel surfing, but people don't really have TVs anymore, right? So we might think of it as with our mobile phone, like uh, just going through, it's like, first we, first we check Facebook, Scroll through that. Okay, that's now I'm bored. Go to Instagram. Now I'm bored. 
Now I'm going to check the news. Now I'm going to check my text, right? So in this 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 kind of um, what you know, not practicing persistence. So I think it's in a way where it's a lot more difficult for us in these days. Sung San uh, likens uh, this great determination as being like a cat in front of a mouse hole. It's just relaxed and alert and stays, just stays. And then we don't know what will happen. This is the other thing is that the mind comes in and is like, is it happening yet? Is it happening yet? Am I getting what I want yet? Am I awakening yet? Um, one of my favorite quotes is by Jacob Reese. He says, when nothing seems to help, I go and look at a stone cutter hammering away at, the ro- at a rock perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. And there's just this blow. There's just the hammering. So it's tricky, but we can just, in a way, we can just decide, I'm just not going to give up. I'm going to just be persistent. I'm going to just do the method. So one caution in terms of great determination is that it can sometimes tip into subtle aggression. This comes from trying to achieve something, trying to get something out of our practice, or trying to get rid of something. Um, I went through my own period of a kind of grim determination based on trying to achieve trying to achieve something, trying to get rid of the parts that I didn't like, noticing the inner critic, wanting to kill it with my mind. And there became more and more stress in the body. At one point, like my jaw was clenched and my body was shaking because I was so aggressive. So that's bringing our habits of mind to the cushion. And that's not bad. That's not a problem. It's good to notice this when we fall into achievement. As one of the teachers says, as fallen into achievement, so aggressiveness appears. So instead, our determination is fueled by our great faith. Our faith in the teachings and teachers and the great sages whatever the teachings we encounter, that we want to try for ourselves, see for ourselves. And our great question. Yasutani Roshi says, without it, without our great question, our zazen is thus deprived of a prime source of its power. So it's really essential to um, nurture this great question and then see it through. Don't give up. Be persistent. But it's this quiet, alert persistence of wonder. Well, because we um, 
are at great vow, there's a fourth essential that Master Sheng Yen, the Chan, 20th century Chan, just Chinese Zen master, says there's one more. It says that after we generate great doubt, we will naturally give rise to great vow. We vow to bring peace in our own minds and to make full use of our resources to help all sentient beings. Great vow is the arousing of Bodhi mind within us. Great vow is having a great direction. Without it, we will not be able to persist in the practice. Great vow creates great determination, which he calls great vigor, and gives us determination in our direction so that we will be able to practice continuously without interruption. So this is also called bodhicitta, which is the arousing, the intention, the wish, the determination to awaken and help others to awaken even before us. I remember one meditation intensive where the mind was really scattered, songs, thinking, inner criticism, judging. It was just a swirl and could not find my breath no matter what. And just total struggle. And it's like, I can't do this. I can't, I just can't do it. And from somewhere just arose the thought, well, what if you followed your breath for, to benefit others? What if that would help another person if you followed your breath? And then I could do it. All of that dissipated, at least for a moment, <laughs> at least for a time to keep going. So this this also, this great um, vow to help others uh, also helps to um, give, as Sheng Yen says, our, our direction to our practice so that it's not, again, tipping into self, uh, it tipping into self-improvement. So again, Kohun Yamada, great faith, Second, great doubt. Third, great determination. These are like the three legs of a tripod. It is uncertain whether we can accomplish the Dharma if one of these three legs is missing. But, he goes on to say, if all three are present, however, if great, great faith, great trust, great doubt, great question, great determination, great persistence. If these three are present, however, we would be more likely to miss the ground with a hammer than we would be to miss enlightenment. If all three are present, we would be more likely to miss the ground with a hammer 
than we would be to miss enlightenment. So as we enter this more reflective time of autumn, as we enter Ango, if we are a beginner to practice or we've practiced for a long time, consider how you want to practice now. And please consider and nurture these essential qualities, these prerequisites of Zen for yourself. Great faith, great doubt, great determination. And uh, may we all awaken in the practice together. Thank you.